I wish you a wonderful good morning. This is truly a good morning because we are starting this morning really with the Word of God. And uh, I want to take you into a subject that really is a continuation of uh, last week's uh, message. Last, last week I, I, I spoke about why God created the earth. And uh, today we have a little bit more of explanation of uh, what is supposed to happen while we are here on earth. Now in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 13, we have the first parable that Jesus was giving us, and that is the parable of the sower. And I think all of us uh, who have been uh, walking with the Lord, we, we are quite familiar with that parable. You know, the, the sower that sows the seed, uh, the sower is the preacher, is the, is the sent one, the seed is the word of God, uh, the soil is uh, the world, and then, of course, some of the seed is going to grow up and is going to uh, have, uh, you know, 30, 60, 80, 100 fold of a result. And others, of course, they are going to be snatched away, they're drying up, or whatever the case may be. Uh, that is the first parable. But then there is another one, just next, and I think most of the people are not aware of that parable. In fact, most of us, you know, we are missing that parable because uh, it's so close and it's almost similar to the other one. Uh, so we really think it's one and the same thing. But actually, it is not. And it's very important that we do understand the second parable because the second parable gives us an explanation why things are in this world the way they are. If, if we would fully understand uh, the second parable that Jesus has given us, we would not really uh, you know, be so much in panic, we would not really so much uh, uh, worry and wonder why we are going through certain things, because Jesus explained it to us right there in this parable. And this is the, the passage of scripture that we want to uh, study today. Uh, I want to start from the first uh, passage, that's when Jesus gives the parable, and then later on his disciples come and say, hey, we don't understand this. Uh, what is all of this? Can you explain? And Jesus explains it. And so let's read, first of all, the parable that Jesus has given to us in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 24. Here is another story or parable Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped, <clears throat> then slipped away. <clears throat> when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they should we, pull it, should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you will uproot the weed if you do. Let them grow both together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and turn them and burn them <clears throat> and put the wheat into the barn. So that is the parable as Jesus has given it to us. And I think it's important that we start uh, 
talking about this, get the explanation of what this is all about. So my subject today is how to prevail in afflictions. And I, I believe this uh, scripture is going to give us amazing insight of how we can be able to uh, prevail in the face of uh, those afflictions that we are facing every day. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, be joyful in hope. Okay, never give up your hope and your joy. Okay, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Okay, patience is required because God is not going to remove those uh, weeds as you have seen, it will come later on. So that means affliction is going to be part of our lives. But then we can be able to prevail in living by living in hope, being joyful in the Lord and faithful in our prayer. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your presence today. And I pray, Lord, speak to us through your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come, that you have given us your destiny, your word firsthand. Lord, you have delivered it to people, human beings like us. And thank you, Lord, that what you have said still applies to us today, still gives us strength and hope, still gives us the understanding of our purpose and destiny in life. So Lord Jesus, I pray that be with us today as we are studying this scripture. And you know, Lord, I pray, give us courage, give us strength as we are facing those kind of afflictions in our lives. To you be the glory and the honor, amen. So the question is how to prevail in afflictions. Even if you call them by different words, you know, I, I, I believe there is no one here who says, I don't know what affliction is. If you don't know what affliction is, go to a dictionary and read all the other, you know, or treasury, find out the other words for afflictions. Of course, we all have them. We all go through tough time, challenges, uh, difficulties, battles. We, we are familiar with these things. In fact, the Bible tells us that even Jesus himself was familiar with these things. The Bible tells us while here on earth, Jesus was tempted with every temptation just like we are. But thank God he prevailed and he overcame. And we are able to prevail as well and we are able to overcome as well. And that's what we want to find out. How did Jesus overcome? You know, because Jesus was human just like we are. He is the son of God quite all right and he remained the son of God while he came into this world. But when he came into this world, he was fully human. He could not utilize the powers that he had from above. He had to face the world with his human body, with his human intellect, with his human strengths, just like we are today. And so we need to learn from Jesus. We need to learn from the word of God. Now the Bible says the sons of the kingdom are exposed to afflictions, okay? And I want to give you the explanation of the parable that we were just reading. That is the second parable that Jesus has given us. You know, as I just said, the first parable was the, the parable of the sower, 
And the second parable is called the parable of the weeds. Or if you are using uh, King James, uh, it's called uh, uh, a little different, you know? It's called the, what's the, sorry, I forgot the word. If you have good King James, shout it out. Anybody knows the tears? Okay. So we, we need to understand, oh, it's the tears actually, okay? Anybody knows the tears? Okay, tears and weeds are the same thing. All right, so I'm not using King James, so I just want you to be aware if you're using King James, weeds and tears are the same thing. So the disciples came to Jesus after he had given them that, that parable, and they were puzzled. They said, you know, what is this? And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, they come to Jesus, the Bible says here, then the crowd, then he left the crowd and he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parables of the weeds in the fields. Okay, what are the weeds in the field? What, how can we understand that? And now you must understand, while the first story is almost utilizing the same kind of language, you know, there's seed, there's a sower, uh, there is growth, the second parable is completely different in its meaning. And so Jesus answered, <clears throat> the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. Okay, in the first uh, parable it was a sower that could be a preacher, that could be anybody who sows the seed. Okay, Some, someone who was sent to sow the seed. But in the second parable, it is Christ himself. <clears throat> And he is the one who is sowing, you know, the, in verse 38 says, the field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. Okay, the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. So in other words, it talks about you and me. Okay, so God planted us into the world. Okay, to be here at such a time as this, this is not by accident, this is by God's design. Okay, God called you out of darkness in his wonderful light in this world in order to accomplish the work of God on his behalf. Okay, so the field is the world, the good seed stands for the sun, the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the, end of the, is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So you can see the meaning of the first parable of the sower, and this uh, meaning is completely different. And it's very important that we understand this. Okay, so God is building his kingdom by planting the sons of the kingdom into this world. But then there are also sons of the devil, which are planted de deliberately just next to us so close to us that they cannot be pulled up without damaging us as well. Okay, that's why the master says, that's why the farmer says, you can't pull them out because if you do, you will accidentally also pull up the wheat <clears throat> that is the son of the kingdom and then you do damage. And God is protecting each and every one of us. But <clears throat> you should not be surprised when next to you, somebody is growing and planted who is wicked, who is evil, who is trying to uh, trip you wherever possible, who is trying to make your life difficult, okay? 
That was the intention of Satan. Satan, you know, the Bible says very clearly, it's the devil who was sowing the weeds. <clears throat> and he was sowing them in between the good seeds, the sons of the kingdom. <clears throat> so uh, Jesus explains, verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. <clears throat> okay, we would always love it to happen today. Okay, we would always love to, uh, God to come to our rescue. And you know, very often we are praying, Lord, come now, do this now. Just remove this uh, situation or this person now. And God does not do it. Okay. But it will happen at the harvest time. Okay, at the end of the age is how Jesus explains it to us. You know, many times uh, we, we wonder, why does God allow things to happen? Like for right now, we have war. We have got uh, some very wicked people in our world. And some of them, they're even at the helm of, uh, of nations, you know. And we wonder, why does God allow that? The answer is here. Okay. Don't be surprised. God says, I'll leave them. Let them grow together. But there comes a time which is called the harvest. <clears throat> and at the harvest time, the two will be separated. Okay, so Jesus says, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in fire, so it will be the, uh, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out angels <clears throat> and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Okay, all the kingdom of darkness, all the weeds are being pulled out. They will throw them into a fiery furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Okay, now this is contrary to what many people believe. You know, many people believe that, you know, we are being taken away and we fly off. The Bible tells us that actually, no, it's the other way around. It's the evil which are being removed and it's the righteous who are going to be put into the kingdom of our gods. Okay, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. So. We need to understand that affliction is going to be with us whether we like it or not. You know, as we are the sons of the kingdom and as we are uh, seeking to live a life of righteousness and truth, we will be able to face a lot of opposition. So we need to understand this parable to rightly judge the struggles that we have in our world, okay? We can never escape evil now that, and evil people as long as we are here on earth. Now that may come as a shock to you. That may come contrary to what some other people have been preaching, but that's what the Bible says. This is what Jesus says in, in the very second parable, this is what he tells us. So we, we must know that the things that we are facing are part of our journey on this earth. And actually, 
God has a good purpose in everything that he does, so he actually makes use of those sons of evil, those sons of darkness. You remember the, the story of Job. You know, Job was a good man, and uh, God was uh, very, very happy with, with, with Job's life, but somebody came to accuse him before the Lord. And he says, no, 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 he's not, he's not really what he seems to be, you know? Uh, just remove his goods and, you know, remove all the benefits that he has, and you will see how he's going to curse you. And uh, God said, fair enough. You know, if you think this is just the reason why uh, Job serves me, I will prove you otherwise. And you, Job did not know that. You know, just like you may not know why certain things happen in your life. But there is evil around us. And so God did that. But Job remained faithful. And I don't want to go into the story of Job here, but we just need to remember, you know, Job remained faithful no matter what happened to him. I mean, he lost all his property, he remained faithful. He lost all his children, he remained faithful. He lost his health, he remained faithful. He lost almost everything. He was living in pain, he was living in misery, but he was still hanging on, clinging on to his God. Because one thing he understood, even so sometimes he got weak, but some, one thing he understood, that God is God, okay? And he made a powerful statement, I know that my Redeemer lives, okay? And one day he will stand on the earth, and for sure Jesus came to stand on the earth and redeemed all of us, and of course that by faith, even uh, Job already prophesied it. So he hung on, he lived with the, with the uh, challenges that he had around him every single day. So, since afflictions are always with us, the question is, how can we prevail within that situation? You know, how can we overcome? How can we build the kingdom of God and uh, still go on? Now, you see, in our world, we've got a lot of people. We have got people who can really be called the sons of the kingdom. And then we have a lot of religious people, okay? And you know, religion is not of God. Religion is of Satan. Okay, that's why, you know, sometimes you wonder why some very religious people are giving you most of the problems. Do you know that it was the religious people who nailed Jesus to the cross? Okay, it was the religious people who persecuted, pursued Jesus, you know, and tried to find the reason how to somehow get rid of him in one way or the other. They never rested until finally they had, uh, you know, some kind of a, grip on him, and they, 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 they were able to hand him over to Pilate, and he was nailed to the cross. So these were religious people. You know, religious people are people who fit in, okay? They, they were afraid that maybe uh, Jesus was going to unravel the situation, and the Romans would become angry with them, and then they would lose their benefits. So they, they fitted in. But you know, Jesus has not called us to conform to the world, but to transform the world. And that's very important. And so we are the sons of the kingdom, like this uh, parable is, is telling us. And as the sons of the kingdom, our responsibility is to bring transformation into the kingdom. Okay? If we are sons of the living God, sons of the kingdom, that means we are an offense to the world. 
And you know, this becomes ever more clearer because uh, are being made almost on a daily basis, which puts us more and more into a corner. And of course, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. You know, Jesus was con constantly trailed by people who were spies, people who were listening, people who were trying to find out, people who were uh, testing him, trying to uh, trip him in one way or the other. And eventually, you know, they saw they had found a reason, you know, uh, that could take him to the cross. Uh, and of course, it, it happened that way. Why did they manage to get him to the cross? Because Jesus spoke the truth. Okay, they asked him, are you the son of God? And when he said, yes, you say so, <laughs> then he says, this is blasphemy. So you, you need to die, okay? And he died because he told the truth. You understand? So very often you are in truth without getting into trouble. That's the kind of world that we are living in because, you know, we are, we are living in a world where we are just next to the weeds, okay? We are the sons of the kingdom, but the sons of evil are just all over us. And they make our life hard, okay? Sometimes it's those who think they should understand you who are most difficult, okay? Okay, there are a lot of people out there in the world who are might be quite indifferent. They are not interested in you. But those who think they should actually support me most, they are the ones who take you to the cross. Okay? It was not the Romans who wanted to see Jesus on the cross. In fact, Pilate, if he could have done it, he would have saved Jesus. But the ones who wanted to take him to the cross are the priests. Okay, the religious, religious establishment, the, the Pharisees, those who knew the scriptures well, but who were not of God, but who were of, the, of, of Satan. And this is what Jesus told them, you are not sons of Abraham, but you are sons of your father, the devil. Okay, because he is the one who has sown you into this place and you oppose everything that God is doing. And you know, this is really what we see in our world happening very, very prominently today. So the struggle against evil will continue until the finish. And the finish is the harvest, okay? There's no finish until finally you have gone through the finishing line and uh, the, the work is done. So as long as uh, God is building his church on earth and he has not called it the day that he's going to end everything, this is going to continue. Okay, some of us, we may leave this world, you know, because everyone has only a limited time. But we must understand that as long as God's church is being built, that struggle will continue. Whether you like it or not, okay, that struggle will continue. That, uh, you know, um, prevailing needs to continue as well. So we are not here to conform, but to transform our world. And it's not, it's not that we are just keeping quiet to avoid uh, the trouble. No, we, we have to stand our ground. We are the sons of the kingdom. You know, we are the living uh, creatures that God has made. You know, like I said the other day, it's a living fish which swims against the current. The dead fish always goes with the current. And against, when you swim against the current, you have the, you have the opposition. You know, you have the, 
the, the flow of the current against you. So the sons will all be, always be a stone of offense. In fact, Jesus himself said this. I have uh, become the stone that was rejected because I became an offense. Not because he was wrong, but because he was telling the truth. And people didn't like the truth. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 1 that people love the darkness more than the lights. Okay? And the reason is exactly this parable that Jesus has told us. And that's why it is important that we know about that. Because when you know about it and you know that these things will come, when they come, you will be guarded. You'll be ready. You know what to do. You know how to fight. Amen? And that's important. So we have to learn to deal with uh, the testing in affliction. Let me just read uh, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, 48, verse 10. The Bible says, so we do not lose heart. No, that was 2 Corinthians, sorry. Isaiah 48, 10. See, I have refined you, so not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Hey, this is tough, eh? Did you know that you are in a furnace? Do you know what is happening in a furnace? <laughs> you know, I mean, when you put copper or gold or silver or whatever in, in a furnace, and you put, it, put us into the furnace of affliction. And then he says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. In fact, he says it twice. Now, when God says something twice, it's like underlining very thickly, you know, with a very thick liner. I, I do this for my own sake. Why does God put us into an affliction for his own sake? Is that not unfair? And a lot of people think God is unfair. How can he allow, you know, such things to happen in our lives? You know, why does he not remove it? And of course, it flies into the face of a lot of uh, name it and claim it uh, preaching that is out there. You know, a lot of prosperity uh, ideas that are out there. You just pray a simple prayer and everything is going to be fine with you. That is a lie. This is not gospel. This is, uh, this is completely different. Okay? And we must understand what Jesus is teaching us. And we must be ready for the things that Jesus tells us. Okay? Now, God allows these things to happen to us, this affliction to happen to us in order to refine us and make us more valuable to him. Okay? Because after all, we are created for him. We are created by him. We are designed by him. You know, he has brought us into being. And, you know, the end product of you and me should please our God. But we all know the way we are, the way we have come into this world, the way we have lived our lives has not always been pleasing God. Am I right? And so God says, okay, devil, you have been planting uh, the sons of uh, darkness, you know, the sons of evil into my field. So I will actually use the very same plants in order to make the best out of my life. That's exactly what God is doing, you know. Uh, remember, Romans 8.28 says that God 
will make sure that those who love him, all things will work out for good. Okay? So even those sons of affliction, even those people who bring affliction to us, things must work out for good for us. So God says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. So in other words, in other words, God says, you must come to the very glory that is in God, okay? I will not allow you to be stolen by somebody else, but you come to be the way you, I am. Okay, we are the sons of the kingdom. We are born again into the kingdom. And everybody who is, you know, believing in Christ, believing in the gospel, has the wonderful privilege to be part of the family of God. You know, we are not, we are not here to be part of a religion. Okay, we are not here to saying, okay, I'm this or I'm that. Okay, no, we are part of the family of God. That is our destiny. And God is preparing us so that we can be able to fit exactly into his kingdom as we should be, as he has designed us to be in the very beginning, even before the foundation of the world. And, and that's what God is working out. He says, for my sake, for my own sake, I do this. So we are tested in the furnace of affliction. And when you go through affliction, don't cry and say, God, you must remove this trust now. No, learn how to prevail in the affliction. Okay, that is what is important. How, learn how to counteract affliction. Learn how to strengthen yourself in affliction. And uh, the answer to that is very simple. Psalms 119 tells us in verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for, thy, for, for by them you have preserved my life. So listen, this is important. And, and you know, Psalm 119 is a very powerful psalm. It, it, it is the longest psalm uh, uh, in the scriptures and it talks about the word of God from beginning to end. So it's the word of God in us that gives us the strength to prevail in affliction. Okay, so we cannot just be, you know, superficial readers and say, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that scripture, oh, yeah, I know it. But you know, these things need to live in us. They need to be deep rooted inside of our, inside of our heart and soul because then it will give us a strength that will make us able to withstand the challenges when they come. I can tell you out of my own experience that affliction is a reality, okay? We came here to Zambia in 1982 and we were full of full of uh, uh, energy, full of joy that we can serve the Lord. God called us into ministry, and thank God we have been here for 40 years. But little did I know that a lot of things 
that I never expected would happen, okay? I came into a place where I love to work and of course I found a lot of good support in one way, but I found a lot of weeds as well. And there were times when we said, we can't go on. How are we going to go through this situation? And thank God, thank God, he taught us his word. You know, thank God he, he, he made his word to be lodged in our heart and we, we study the word deeper and deeper. And just like we are reading in Psalm 119, you know, if your law or your word had not been my delight, I would not have made it, okay? We would not have gone through. I would, we would have perished in our affliction. So the, the, the number one energy and power that you have in, to, to deal with affliction is the word of God. That's why God has given us this word, okay? And, you know, it's not enough to carry it under your, your armpit or in your hands and go to church on Sunday and say, okay, this is the word of God. No, it must be lodged deep inside of your heart. This word must be sown in our hearts and must be able to grow, grow good fruits, you know, that's why Paul tells Timothy, you know, study to show yourself approved. Make sure that this word is being lodged there and nobody can steal it. Remember when the sower is sowing the seed, the devil is coming to trying to steal whatever he can steal. And so we must make sure that we are not just superficial listeners of the word of God, but that we are able to have the word of God lodged and sown into our life and remain there to grow every single day. And if you are to have the word of God, God to grow, it needs to be, you know, watered. You know, like if you put a seed into the ground, you need to put water there. You need to have sunshine there. You know, you need to have the different kind of, uh, you know, uh, atmosphere bringing different kind of weather patterns. And that's how things grow. And then, of course, that is what God is doing in our lives. He makes his seed grow. But of course, we have to expose ourselves to the word, okay? Because again, the word is the seed, but the word is also, you know, the sun and the rain and, and the energy that makes it bear, bear good fruit. So we thank God that we can be able to see things from God's perspective. We should not just you know, have wishful thinking. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of times, you know, Christians, they have got a lot of wishful thinking. They, they, they pray for this, they pray for that, and uh, their prayer is not making sense. It's actually completely contrary to the word of God. So if you are not, uh, you know, if you are not wasting your prayer, that means you need to pray sensible prayers, okay? Not prayers that, that are contrary to the word of God. Don't pray that God will... So in other words, don't pray that God will remove the wheat, but pray that God gives you the strength to overcome it. Amen? That God gives you the ability to prevail, even if it takes years. Prevail, prevail, prevail. You know, endure. Go through no matter what. 
You know, many times people have wishful thinking, wishful, wishful ideas. People think, okay, let me go and ask the pastor to pray, or maybe the man of God, you know, and that's why people are rushing to the man of God, which they adore as if they are something special. No, actually, we are all the same. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm standing here to preach, but I'm one of you, okay? I, I, don't, I don't accept people to put me on a pedestal just because I'm preaching the gospel. It's, you know, every one of us has a calling. And I'm not different than anybody else who is doing another job. Only that God has given me his word and I must be faithful with this word. And just because I preach the word of God, you know, yes, of course, the Bible says a servant is worthy double honor, but I'm not anybody more special than anybody else, okay? There is no such a thing like clergy in the word of God, okay? You heard the title, clergy. Okay, and then they put on uh, collars and they put on crosses and they put on all kind of different uh, clothes with different colors, which we mainly follow uh, the number one old church, you know, uh, and we, we, we copy them as well. That is nonsense. Okay? This is not anywhere in scripture. Jesus never tells us that. This is Old Testament. You know, this is where, where the priesthood of... of uh, of Aaron is concerned. Yes, they had that. But the priesthood of Christ, okay? Okay? We are all kings and priests. Okay? There's no exception. So, in other words, if I call myself a priest, you're also priests. Okay? Priests are mediators standing in the gap. Okay? And God wants us to be there for the world around us. Okay, so God wants us to be ruling, reign with Christ, okay? And that's not just for a few so-called men of God, but this is for all of us, children of God, sons of God. Male or female, doesn't matter, but we are all part of the family. And it's important that we understand that. So, I mean, just coming to have a... Uh, uh, a touch and say, okay, now uh, my, my problems are going to cease. They will not cease. I'm telling you, they are not going to cease. Maybe you will come out of a good prayer, if it's a good prayer, encouraged. And then you're saying, okay, I can take on that affliction. I can stand in that affliction and I can be able to be victorious in that affliction. And that's what should happen. Okay, that's why I'm telling you. That's why I'm going to give you this background information, so to say. Okay, so how you can overcome is not by somebody blowing it away. All your problems are things of the past. That's not how the Bible is promising us our future. No, the Bible tells us that God is building us up to be able to rule in the midst of our enemies. Okay? That means if you rule in the midst of your enemies, where are the enemies? They're all around you. But you are the ruler. Are you with me? You are the ruler. And this is what we must learn. This is how we can be able to contend, to prevail in the midst of our affliction. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 16, 
Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, so we do not lose heart. Okay, afflictions are there and they will remain there. The enemies will remain around you. Okay, just learn how to rule in the midst of your enemies. Okay, so we do not lose hearts. So our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Okay, so in other words, your inner life gets nourishment. Gets, you know, strengthened from above through the word of God. That is the food that God has prescribed to us to depend on continuously. Remember the people of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness and they had nothing to eat. And God provided the manna. And the manna was there every day. Okay? But they had to go every day to pick it. They could not pick it for the whole week. They had to go every day to pick it. And you know, this is true for us. And I think, you know, as Christians, we have often become very lazy not to pick our daily ration of the word of God. That's why there's so much weakness. That's why there's so much failure in our world. That's why we are not ruling in the midst of our, of our, of our enemies because we are weak, okay? And that is important that we are receiving the, the, the power of God, that we're receiving the ration of God, the manna, and the manna is grace. You know, they didn't know what it is. They even asked, what is this? And this is what the word manna actually means. What is this? But it's a divine sustenance. And you know, God has given us his divine sustenance in his word. It's some, something that cannot be explained to somebody who is not a child of God. They think it's just a book. Yes, it's a book. But it's a living book. It's a book that makes you strong. It's a book that, that is going to provide for you the grace of God every single day. And that's what we need to make sure to, to keep living by. And so verse 17 says, for this light momentary affliction, okay? It is, I, I like this, this uh, description. You know, Paul says, it's actually the affliction that you, are, that you are groaning under, that you are crying about, is actually light. Okay, you may say, no, 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 it's not light, it's, half, it's heart. But you must understand it from a different perspective. Paul does not look at it from the perspective of human suffering. He looks at it from God's perspective. And if you look at Paul, I mean, he suffered. You know, he was in prison. He was left for dead. You know, he was beaten so many times. He was, you know, going uh, into uh, persecution that none of us has ever experienced. And yet he says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is a powerful loaded word. Actually, maybe we should just have a Bible study with this one word. This is powerful. So in other words, you know, uh, when you buy something from, from you know, uh, maybe certain shops where weight is, is, a, is of, of essence, you know, maybe it's a meat or something like that, they put it on the scale, okay? And the more the scale shows, the more you pay the more value it is, okay? 
and, and Paul is saying that what we are going through, this uh, affliction, this light momentary affliction, you know, that we think is too heavy for us, actually is preparing for us an eternal weight. So in other words, the, your value is growing bigger and bigger. You know, more, more stuff is coming on the scale, okay? The value is increasing. So the, the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, and you know glory is really, the, the word glory is really, in, in the Old Testament it's the word kabot in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, and kabot means weight. So glory means that you are weighty, that you are valuable, okay? That you are not chaff, which is, you know, blown away by the wind, but that you are having the weight to stand in any situation and overcome in those situations. So for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. Okay, that sounds like a contradiction. How can you look at things that are not seen? You know, only people who have faith can look at things that are unseen. Because we know that there are things that are real that you cannot see with your natural eyes. Okay? That's what we see here. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So in other words, we are preparing for eternity. You know, going through the affliction is adding weight, the, the weight of glory unto your life. So don't, don't uh, despise it. Don't run away from it. Don't try to, to avoid it. But learn to conquer inside of it. And add the weight of glory uh, to that scale that increases your value more and more. And of course, that's what God wants. God wants, wants us to be valuable. In fact, to God, we are valuable. I mean, God would not have sent his very own son if we, had, if, if we would not attach a great value to us. Even so, we cannot bring anything to him. We can't buy anything from God, or we cannot pay for, for, for the salvation that he has brought, you know, but he still attaches a great value upon each and every one of us because he is the one who designed us. He is the one who created us. He is the one who has a destiny for us. He is the one who knows what he, ha what he wants to, to, to accomplish with you, not just in time, but in eternity that is to come. So this is amazing. So the things that are unseen are the things that remain. Okay? I've been talking about our, the, the new space telescope that is in the, in the air right now that is in, uh, uh, shot into the universe and it makes a lot of things visible that have never been seen before. Okay, now that may be nice. You may say, oh, this is powerful. This is great. And yes, there are things that coming uh, to the fore in God's creation which have never, ever been seen. You know, it tells us how, God, how great God is, isn't it? But then, you know, these are still visible things. 
Even so, they were far away so that we could not see them in the past. Uh, but then Paul is talking about the things that are unseen, that are in the spiritual world. And the spiritual world is not far, far, far away, you know, beyond whatever. But the spiritual world is just next to us. Okay, so the spiritual world is, you know, the Bible says the word is in your mouth. Okay? And, and the spiritual world is, is so close to us, much closer than we can imagine. God is not far away. You don't have to shout for him to hear you from a distance. Actually, God hears very well. He is attentive to our prayers. He, he wants to, you know, relate to our hearts on a continuous basis. This is powerful. Okay? So God will protect us and he will not hand us over to our enemy, but we will still have to go through affliction. Let me read from the book of uh, Psalm 31. Psalm 31 verse 7. I'll be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. That's a powerful testimony. Okay. Yes, we go through affliction, but we are not handed over to the enemy. But... We go through trouble. Okay. If you continue reading, you know, you will read from verse 9. Be merciful, O, o Lord, for I am in distress. My life is grow weak with sorrow. My soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. But... We are not handed over to our enemy, okay? These things, they have to do their work. And just like verse 8 tells us, you have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. You saw my affliction. You know my, the anguish of my soul. So whatever you go through, God is not far away. He is closer than you think. And he will give you the strength he, give, he gives you the power. In fact, he has given you already through his word in order to overcome. Even if you feel lost, there's a way that you can come out of that. Remember, there was a story in the life of uh, uh, David when the enemies uh, were invading their home, while they were out in, you know, in warfare, the enemies came and invaded their home and they took all their wives and their children away with, with them. And when they came to find out, when, when, when David returned with his mighty men, you know, the, the, the group of people he was traveling with, when they came to face that calamity, even his best supporters were talking about, about uh, getting rid of David. They felt it was David's fault. And so the, the Bible tells us that David went aside and he did something 
that we must all learn to do. Okay, the Bible says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he do that? You know, we know David is a, has been a songwriter. You know, he has written a lot of psalms, and psalms are mini songs. Psalms are guidance, psalms are encouragement, psalms are deliverance, psalms are, you know, the hand of God in our lives. Psalms are prophecy. And, and you know, over 70 psalms were written by David himself. So you can imagine, when he went aside, he was going back deep inside his heart. And he was beginning to bring out some of those songs of deliverance. Songs of praise. He remembered all these things that had been lodged into his heart over the years. And that is what encouraged him. He encouraged himself in the Lord through the word of God. And after he came out from that time of encouragement, he went to his fighters and he told them, he encouraged them as well, and he told them, let's go. We are going to get everything back. All our wives and our children will bring them back. And they did. They did. Just because he knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. If you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord, you can make a difference in this world. You know, if, 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 if David could not have done what he did, everything would have been lost. His kingdom would have come to an end right then and there. They might have killed him. His own, his own people might have, have, have killed him. But because he was able to encourage him in the, in the Lord, himself in the Lord, that's why he was able to go back to him, encourage the others, you know, you know, put them together as a unit and say, okay, let's go and get them back. And they got them back, thank God. So we conquer through the living word, okay? We conquer through the grace of God that is given to us in scripture, in the word that is becoming alive through the agency of the Holy Spirit who makes the Logos become Rema and become alive. And that's what we need time and time again. So the word of God will be able, will, will, will give us the ability to resist the affliction to go and kill us, okay? He is going to protect us within the most difficult for you, uh, the scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 35. Okay? Who shall separate us? I know that you have heard this word a lot of times, and we have read it before. We have been encouraged by these words, but it's very important. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall the tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sort? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, okay, thank God, we are not taken to the slaughter. One was taken to the slaughter on our behalf and that was Christ. And the Bible says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. 
For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor heights or depths, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. You see, Christ is the living word. The word became flesh and walked amongst us. And when we are in Christ, we are able to overcome, not a little bit, but we are more than conquerors. Praise the Lord. So yes, affliction will be there, but the answer is also there. Affliction needs to be managed, and you need to manage it. Okay, you cannot do away with it because Jesus very clearly said that, you know, they will only be removed, those, those weeds will only be removed, those tears, at the end of the age. Okay, when the harvest time comes, then God will, uh, will pull them up and they will go into the fire. Okay? That's when now you see it was worth it to live a life that was dedicated to God because you are going on into God's wonderful place. The Bible says here, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And this will go on forever and ever. Praise God. God. First, to live a life dedicated to God. It is worth it to hold on to him, not to get tired, even when, you know, affliction seems to have the better of us. No, we can be able to prevail in affliction. And we must prevail in, those, in that affliction. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, praise the Lord, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, where you cannot make sense anymore, the peace of God will still transcend, will still penetrate. So the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So whatever affliction, whatever challenge may be there, God is giving you the strength. God is giving his peace into your heart, and it will transcend anything that you cannot even understand. And this is what we should be giving thanks to God for. Okay, God is in control, God is in charge. Paul is saying, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. This he writes to the church of Thessalonica in the First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's powerful. And so let us be such people of which God can say, you know, you became imitators 
or much of imitators of Christ. And you receive the word in much affliction. Yes, the word of God came, even so affliction was there, but the word of God gave you strength. The word of God gave you resilience. The word of God, you know, strengthened you from within, making you the kind of person who can reign with Christ, you know, who can reign in the midst of all our enemies. And that's what God wants us to be. So don't try to uproot the evil you will not manage. You know, don't try to uproot your enemies. They have, a, they have a reason why they are there. God will take care of them. Don't worry about them. Worry about what is happening inside of your heart. You know, how you can build yourself up. How you can encourage yourself in the Lord. How you can, you know, be faithful in prayer. Just like, like Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope. You know, don't allow the devil to, to steal your joy. Okay? And, 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 and be steadfast in hope. Because hope is one of the three things that remain. You know, hope, faith, and love. And love is the greatest, as we all know. Okay? So, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. And faithful in prayer. So when you cannot manage, run to him. He'll give you the power to manage. He will give you the encouragement. He will build you up. He will make you strong. So afflictions will remain as long as we are here, as long as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is here, as long as it's not the last day, the day of judgment that God is going to uh, set up in his own time. As long as that has not happened, afflictions will remain. But thank God, God builds his kingdom despite the onslaught of evil. You see, for 2,000 years, people have tried to uproot the church. There were countries who outlawed anything to do with church. One small country in, in, in Europe, Albania, outlawed anything which had anything to do with church. Even, even names could not be from scripture. So if your name was Mary, you had to change your name. If your name was Joseph, you had to change your name. They wanted to do away with everything. Okay, and then the whole thing crumbled. And today it's one free country where the gospel is being preached. And that is true with many of the former communist countries and those who are still communists, you know. They try to uproot the faith in God. And if anything, the church is stronger than ever, ever before, okay? The true church, not the religious establishment which is just, you know, uh, trying to blind the, the, the world. No, that's not what, what it is. No, the church, sometimes in homes, sometimes in, in hidden places, is very strong. You know, the church is being on, under surveillance in many countries, in, in, including in the country where we get a lot of goods from. Okay, I don't want to mention the name, but you know what I mean. Okay, made in whatever. People, people have problems to live their faith. 
But they do it anyway. Okay, okay, there are some official churches and they're saying we have freedom of religion. Nonsense, that is just religion. But people who are living their faith are being pursued, being persecuted, you know, locked up for years, many years, often without any, any regard to, to the process of law. Never seen a court of law, just being locked up. But God is building his church, even in places like that. Okay, affliction is there, yes. But remember what the word of God says. Even when we are tested in the furnace of affliction, he's going to do his own powerful work in each and every one of us, even in those people's lives who are suffering. So we thank God. So brothers and sisters, in case you have prayed, Lord, remove uh, the evil people around me, uh, remove this affliction from me, stop that prayer. It will not be fulfilled. Okay? This is, this is what I call foolish prayers. Okay? Pray sensibly. Pray that God will strengthen you from within. Pray that God will build you, that he gives you more and more of his grace. Pray that you can be able to rule in the midst of your enemies. Prevail in affliction. That's what God wants us to do. And he has given us the power to do so. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus never had the powers of darkness being removed. Actually, they became worse and worse, you know, until eventually they nailed him to the cross and they took his life. But they didn't prevail. They didn't conquer. In fact, it was Jesus who conquered. Okay, they killed him and they thought we have done the job. But his death brought us life. His death conquered the evil. And we thank God. When you go through such times of experiences in your life, you know that people are pursuing you, that you find uh, you're being squeezed by all kinds of circumstances in your life. And I'm not talking about things that you have uh, done wrong. You know, if you have done wrong, you, you will get the, 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 the payment for it. No, I mean the affliction which you cannot influence. Okay, it comes from the evil one which is blinded by the devil himself. So if you face that affliction, commit yourself into the hands of the Lord. And he will give you the power to overcome and be more than a conqueror. And remember, no one can separate us from the love of God. Not even that affliction that you will pass through. Not the attempts of the enemy to weaken you and wear you out. No, he cannot manage. Nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God. Remember the promise of Jesus. You know, when the day comes, the day of harvest comes, Jesus says, then the righteous, and let us be part of the righteous, okay? You know, God wants his righteousness to come. We have, we have got this as our theme for this year, okay? The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so excited, we are so thankful 
that we belong to you. Lord, that you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And Lord, we don't want to become weak and slide back, but Lord, we want to be strong. We want to really be built from within through your grace, through the manna from above, through your words. Lord, thank you that you have said that we can be able to overcome and become conquerors, not through our muscles, but through your own very work that you have done in our life and that you continue to do in each and every one of us. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you help each and every one of us to come to a position where we can be able to encourage ourselves in your word, in scripture, where we can be able to gather enough manna that builds us so that we can prevail in the midst of our enemies, that we can prevail against attacks and affliction or whatever may come against us. We thank you, Lord, that we are your kingdom, your family. And Lord, you have called us out of darkness that you are building us for an eternal purpose. And Lord, we are excited that you are putting weight upon our innermost life, about our spiritual life, weight that makes us more valuable to you and more valuable to eternity to come. So Lord, we give you praise and honor and we say thank you, Lord, that we will be able to overcome. We are not handed over into the hands of the enemy, but we are able to be put on a specious ground where we can be able to rule in the midst of our enemies. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.